Hello and welcome once again to Wandering Monster, America's test table, where we don't just play test games, we stress test them. I am John Baldisberger. I am Charles R. Bernard. Ian Servas. Mr. Paschke. And uh, tonight we are going to be getting squiggly with it. We are going to be... Um, playing a game uh, from a creator named Roma B. Uh, it's part of their simpler system, um, which will include a suite of modules. And the one that we're doing tonight is Simpler Cthulhu. Now, everybody out there has heard that name, the the famous name, um, the uh, you know Dead Dreamer, etc. Um, people have also heard of the Necronomicon. And in fact, uh, the story of the Necronomicon is pretty fascinating. It got blown up big by Evil Dead. So people who haven't heard about it from Lovecraft or, or the mythos have usually heard about this fictional book uh, from you know one of the Evil Dead uh, products, uh, of which there have been many. Um, the interesting thing about Necronomicon is like it is a fictional text, and I have a real thing for fictional texts, like books that are referred to by many authors but that don't actually exist. Um, the difference between the Necronomicon and a lot of fictional books is motherfuckers keep trying to write it. Uh, so like there have been numerous versions of the Necronomicon uh, published. Um, by like legitimate occult sources claiming to be like the long lost book. And that's hilarious because Lovecraft is quite explicit about like, I made this shit up. Like, uh, and the other thing is a lot of people think that it means the, the book of the dead. Uh, Necronomicon actually means the book of the names of the dead or the book of dead names, um, depending on how you interpret the kind of doggerel Latin that that is or Greek. Um, so its first appearance was in 1924 in an H.P. Lovecraft story called The Hound. Um, and uh, it took all the way until the 1970s for the first effort to be made at writing an actual Necronomicon. Now, props to the people who did that. It was a company called um, – it was a bookstore on the edge of Brooklyn uh, called um, The Warlock. And The Warlock had a bunch of interesting stuff, including a version of the Necronomicon that was written in like fake calligraphy, like fake language. So it was just like squiggles on a page. And like, I just love the idea of someone taking that home and thinking like, I'm going to crack this. I'm going to get out my Sanskrit and my goddamn, you know, old characters. And I'm really going to solve this one. And uh, that was published under the Arabic name that Lovecraft referred to it to, which is the Kitab al-Azif. Um, but then the more famous one is a, a literary forgery known as the Simon Necronomicon, because the uh, the alleged translator of this went by the pseudonym Simon. His real name is Peter Lavenda, and uh, like many modern occultists, he's kind of a piece of shit. Uh, so like when his identity was uncovered in 2003, people were like, oh yeah, he's like a conspiracy theory weirdo and has been writing a bunch of nonsense for years. And But like, even from the get-go in 1973, when people saw like the Necronomicon, they should have known like there is no such book. But um, props to Lovecraft because in creating the Cthulhu mythos, what he did was um, out of whole cloth and in total like in broad daylight, create a fake religion and a fake you know uh, world of monsters and gods and gods that are monsters that was so vivid and convincing. 
that even though uh, people keep saying like this is fiction this is fiction like there are still people out there who will perform rights from the necronomicon who will like you know um do occasionally like really fucked up stuff uh and say that they got the idea out of the necronomicon like it's it's interesting how much power um a fictional world can have in the real world um and with that why don't we turn things over to our fictional world wrangler mr ian Servas? klatu brata brata nick nickel why are we talking about the day the earth stood still uh I was just hoping that someone would start making some other references. I've been brimming with references, and I and I I uh, didn't interject once with stupid uh, stupid jokes there. So fantastic intro. I there, should get Charles. an S. I appreciate I, that. Uh, oh, thank you. I should get an S Smart shirt. That would be fun and subtle. Um, you do, do you have those smart. online. So as you've smart. given that fantastic intro, yes. Uh, so Roman Vint is uh, letting us play this game. We actually had rescheduled this from a previous session where we were going to run a different module that's actually not currently available yet on itch called Road Rage that was based kind of off the Mad Max anthology and world mythos. Um, but two of the games that have been recently released is a fantasy version called D plus D and then uh, simpler Cthulhu. So a lot of people... Um, there are plenty of Lovecrafting games out there, but some of them do rely on lots of crunchy tables. And I feel like a lot of people are either on the specter of love the crunch or you want squishy, not non-crunch, something that you can just gum all night. And that, so I am more on the, <laughs> I like less crunch. Um, you know, I could go either way with peanut butter, both my RPGs. I definitely like it to be much more smooth and rules light. And so this game relies on just three stats. We're looking at luck, stamina, and sanity. One of the fun things about this game, it's tactile. So it's made to be played with uh, little like tokens that you can slide across your attributes because they're supposed to change over time. So behind the scenes, if you look to see where the sausage is made, I made little PowerPoints where you can little drag icons to kind of give that tactile feel, even though we are in a... Uh, I guess, streaming capacity. So uh, the games are available right now on itch just for one USD and you can pick that up and um, they're just there for you. There's even previews that you can look at to give you a, a taste for it before you even pledge that dollar. So those dollars are helping to expand the simpler system as well as other creative ventures from Roman. Um, but with that kind of just basic intro, oh, and then also just mentioning for sake of simplicity, all of the rules, all the roles that are going to be made in the game are just made with one D6. So that is, uh, makes it definitely, what's the simpler, simple and simpler. So um, real, real fun there. But uh, that kind of very light overview, we're going to take it to our cast of characters here. Someone jump on that grenade and introduce what your character is. Tell us a little bit what the, your archetype is, and then maybe one colorful, fun fact about you. I'll, you know, I'll break tradition by going first. Um, tonight, I will be playing uh, Claude Hans, and uh, my archetype is uh, the occultist, um, which I happen to be in real life, so that's fun. Um, and one fun fact about me is that uh, 
my character has a popular um, blog about the occult. In real life, I have a very unpopular blog about the occult. <laughs> uh, so that's why we that's why we fantasy role play. Hey, I read your stuff. <laughs> Thank you. The garden is dead. Long live the garden. <laughs> uh, I guess I can go next. Uh, my character's name is Woodrow uh, Parrish. I'm a writer. Uh, I have had at least one successful New York Times bestselling novel that was there for a week. Uh, you know, that's not a big deal. It was only one week. Uh, I mean, how many have has anyone here had? Uh, none. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The cat, uh, the rest of the cast is gonna be waiting for you. In the hey, hey, maybe don't, bats. maybe don't straight up insult two of your other cast members, bud. <laughs> but I don't have any any writing at all. This is my one chance to to pretend to be like you. If I were on okay. the New York Times bestseller list, I'd I'd frankly think that I'd fucked something up uh, somewhere along the line. Uh, but no, uh, so I I happen to to be in possession of a copy of that that sacred text that I blew mm. all of my first royalties check on. So, yeah, fun book. I've been reading it. And I am <clears throat> I am Dilbor Quan Quan. Um, uh, my, 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 my name's, uh, I'm, 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 my, my government name is, um, William Borman. Um, however, my <laughs> Jedi name is Dilbor Quan Quan. Um, I am a, um, a ranking Jedi master of, mm -hmm. um, the Jedi faith. And it has been my, um, I'm supposed to say it's a pleasure, but I've been um less I'm batting less than a hundred on um spreading the good word of the force. <laughs> so a little disappointing. Um I I need a little bit of a break. And uh the truth is, if I'm being honest, guys, if I'm being honest, guys. I feel like no, I'm not no no joke. I feel the dark side rising. It's <laughs> it's like it's like when Luke was looking at Rilo and he could just like feel the, the, the darkness there. That's how I feel. Like my Jedi senses are getting so attuned, bro. Oh, that was so, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Far yeah, away. but my sportsman's here now, Mom. I mean, uh, brother. <laughs> it's fun for people who aren't I mean, aware. Brother. There are several countries that do recognize Jediism is a Great valid Britain. government yeah. faith. Uh, just like yeah, how they should. Yeah, right. So pastafarism every, is also every every religion and faith is a valid religion and faith, frankly. And if you are of the Jedi faith and you are offended by my characterization, 
I do apologize, and you can uh, send me an email. Let me know what you uh, what your actual beliefs and practices are, and I'll I'll read that. But uh, keep in mind that this is all in good fun, and I mean no disrespect towards you. I would be thrilled it, uh, if we had a an hello. actual Jettist fan that did write to us just to talk. I'd be happy to have a fan. I'm a fan. Let, let me say this much: like I'll I'll come out I'll come out hot. Uh, if you are a a Jedist or Jedi or what have you, and you don't have a sense of humor about your religion, like you fucked up, you know. Like, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'll I, second that. I'm, I'm, no, I'm a Satanist not... and an occultist, and I have a huge sense of humor about but, both of those. But you're things, not supposed you know? like... to have passions as a Jedi. Uh, that might self you as a Sith. Uh, on the oh, other hand, on the other hand, cheeks. getting offended and angry. That's kind of a Sithy thing, too. See? My dudes. Exactly. He's right to the dark side. Look, so we're you're forgetting the role of two, which is why you can't be a Sith. Otherwise, you'd have to kill your master. But this is why we one just have to, to assume is, that one to all of our fans are jests. And that's why we're not hearing from you. So anyone that responds to us with any type of hate or love letters is naturally they're uh, aligned with the Sith. So I didn't say yeah. what part of the Jedi faith I... I I guess I did. I just guess I pretty strongly condemned the dark side just now. In, Never in mind. Case, in case we up. didn't. Um... No, you just said you could feel it growing. You didn't say whether you were happy about that, sad about that, indifferent. You can just feel it growing. No, Dill Dillbore. I think I called myself. Yeah, Dillbore. Dillbore. I've never heard Dillbore, and I was like, whoo. Dillbore. Dillbore is um. Dilbor is someone who sees the world in white and black, uh, like light side, dark side, and it's very defined. Um, and they're like, that's like, like, so he does not get the nuance of like, hey, maybe, maybe dark doesn't mean evil. No, it totally means evil in his mind. It's going to be real easy to drive him insane, by the way. Just, I am <laughs> going to enjoy I will that. say, oh. I will say in character that as an occultist a master occultist i have read all of your sacred uh texts so much respect uh my jedi brethren and uh may the force be with you and we probably better get this fucking thing in gear by now yes i, I um i was gonna make some type of big epiphany and then with that it just vanished like the wind um but yes, oh, that's what I was going to say. So in case that we didn't overtly state it, uh, your character archetype is a missionary, and the fact we are, since it is worth stating, since a Lovecraftian Cthulhuan games can take across all types of different time eras that we're playing in the modern era, in case being a Jedist wasn't self-apparent. And, and, oh, also, and also my, my direct reference to uh, uh, the second... Uh, I guess Star Wars Episode Seven. That, that's a good point. Eight. I, I guess just sat at the context clues, and I just you're it's a smarter man than I, John. So also, that... also, uh, Charles has a blog. Well, blogs have been <laughs> yeah, for a while. True. I mean, heck, I mean, not in the 1950s. Journals. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. So, we'll admire that... my beard for a while. It's a beautiful beard. Now, with that, let's go ahead and set the scene. So the three of you are at an airport. No one enjoys being at an airport. Uh, it's late into the evening. In fact, it is already pa well past sunfall. 
It's dark. You've been through TSA. You have been sitting around. You have had flight delays. You've had flight transfers. You've had to transfer your luggage from uh, port A to port B. You've had to fight people who wouldn't move over on this walking, um, moving platforms. It's been not a fun time. But all of you are finally at the gate that you need to be, and you see on the tarmac, the plane that you're actually leaving on. So all of you are in different stages of frustration. So if you weren't already at max sanity, your sanity might have been lowered by the fact that you had to deal with this holiday traveling season post-pandemic. Um, so the things that you see here is you are at a pretty busy gate. People are still checking in their luggage. There are people that are still trying to coo and soothe their angry babies. You see at least three angry babies that are going to be on this flight. So if you haven't already loaded up at the airport bar, now's a good time. And, um, or any other last preparations. Um, so Claude and Woodrow and Dilber, um, you are within relative proximity of one another. I'm not sure where your final seats are going to be. Yes, the gentleman in the back. Uh, as a last-minute preparation, since we will be in the airport, um, and I, you know, pandemic and everything, I'm wearing a plague doctor mask um, used in the original sense. So, like, the nose cone of it is full of, like, Horse healing radish. herbs. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff that gives off powerful vegetable fumes, uh, if you catch my drift. So, that's all. I just remembered a side note that I have to tell Charles. It has to happen on air because right. I need to see his face, and I apologize. We're going to hit pause on the VCR. Go ahead. Charles. <laughs> yes, Igor sir. has been rescheduled. I'm going to get to go see Igor. Oh, shit. That's awesome. I'm so that excited. That is fucking awesome, man. Who's yeah, I have a feeling that Pasky, I, and, and most of the viewers have no idea. Uh, I, uh, well, the e oh, wait, fantastic yes. Fantastic fucking band slash artist. Um, that is good Charles, enough French. Charles, opening is Melt Banana. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You told me. I, lo I love Melt Banana. I will need Milk to check this out. Japanese I will, I will, band. I will, uh, hey, everyone, first of all, Big ups to our intro and outro music, uh, Barbaria from Bog Wizard. But uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I will link Bog, Bog Wizard's uh, uh, store, and I will also link an Igor uh, song in the show notes because all both of those bands rip so goddamn hard. Absolutely, it's got so. like equal parts death metal and like high opera. It's fucking and electronica and a bunch it's, of other stuff. Yeah, God, right? so cool. Yeah, a bunch okay. of other stuff. Yeah. So okay. sorry, I just I just remembered, and I was like, oh, I have to share right now. Fantastic. That's awesome, man. We're going to hit play and record at the same time on that VCR. Like oh, we we're supposed to be recording this? Day. So when they talk no. about stress testing, they always mean the GM. So... <laughs> <laughs> wink, 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 wink. All right. So oh. uh, you were in a busy airport. Um, it is holiday season travel late in the evening. And you notice that there are a lot of people that are placing their faces basically up to the big viewing windows, like overlooking the tarmac. Far in the distance, up in the sky, you can see what looks to be like a very bright star. 
if you've been living under a rock, you or even if you've been living under a rock, you should know that there's one of those very rare comet sightings, kind of like Halley's Comet or Nimrod's Comet or other ones. There is a comet that's going to be so coterminous with the Earth, like it's just is basically going to scrape the atmosphere. It's that close. And so people who have booked some of these flights you see that there are people with like binoculars who probably even book this flight just for the fact that you're going to be up in the midnight sky at night getting a dead-on view of this comet. One of those a lifetime, once in a generational kind of thing. And it just so happens either you scheduled your flight or your flight was delayed enough that you're going to be on this flight and you're going to get a perfect view of a comet. All right. I mean, that, okay, on the one hand, that sounds dope. On the other hand, I happen to know, as a science fact, that, like, flight attendants actually suffer a slightly higher risk of uh, cancer mm-hmm. than other people because they spend enough time up in airplanes, which are closer to the upper atmosphere, which is thinner, which provides less protection. So if, like, this fucking comet is kissing the atmosphere with, like, uh, you know, sainted Erasmus's nuts knows what kind of energy peeling off of it. We're going to be getting it like full in the grill on board this plane. This is going to be a blast. Awesome. Um, I'll be taking copious notes in my occultic notebook. Great. Um, well, with that, um, before we kind of move on to the next scene, are there any other preparations that any of you want to make? I know that you said that you're going to be putting on your, unironically, a Plague Doctor's mask. Um, actually, as a quick aside, what's the rest of you? What are you wearing otherwise? Is this in alignment with the rest of your gear, or are you just wearing, like, random band t-shirt, <clears throat> Plague Doctor mask? Are you that would high? actually be a pretty... That'd be a pretty strong look uh, in, in, like, the metal and industrial scene, like, band t-shirt and the Plague Doctor mask. No, I'm uh, I'm I'm like off the clock, so I'm wearing okay. the plague doctor mask, and all my occulty clothes are like in my luggage. But I'm actually okay. just wearing a Hawaiian shirt and like you know Bermuda shorts, uh, flip flops since it's the airport. Absolutely, all right. Big straw hat on top of the plague doctor mask. So, um, as you're sitting here in waiting for boarding or any of you wanting to do any certain actions or make any other kind of character notes before we start moving the scene along. I am, uh, I, I am dressed in full, uh, not ceremonial garb, but like vestments, uh, which means like the brown and white robe of the Jedi order. Bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> it, it, uh, it is not, is actually not Terry cloth. It is a high quality linen. Um, um, you there is a there is a pin, um, affixed to my my robe lapel. You you know what I mean the that that part. Propel. Uh, yeah. That is. Oh my god! A, does it say? Does it say Elder Quan Quan? I'm gonna lose my fucking mind if it does. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold on. I was going to have it be like a very stylized, um. Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, in the Jesus hands pose, looking up with uh, (laughs) WWOBKD. But, no. 
Elder Quan Quan. Absolutely, it says Elder Quan Quan. And above that, in smaller font, it says the the Church of uh, Luke Skywalker of the Force of Latter Day Jedists. Latter Day Jedi. So, Dilbert, two important questions. One, what color is your uh, is the crystal in your hilt? And then, second of all, it's a Kyber crystal, you animal. I wanted to, but my brain wanted to go dilithium, and I just couldn't think of Kyber. Although you can use crate pearls uh, if you want to go that nerdy. Uh, Kyber is not native to Earth. So, um, in in my in my denomination, I guess might be the right uh, cell. And, and in my well, denomination, the um, that question is: When TSA wanted you to check your lightsaber. How did you respond? <laughs> not, um, not I uh, well, I mean, I, I have my papers with me that I'm clergy, uh, that it is religious, and also it's fiberglass. It's not like it's not a weapon. <laughs> um, so I, oh, I related question before we board the plane. Uh, remind me because it's been a while. Like you can buy guns in airports, right? No, no, sir. Oh, Liquor. not really? even in not even in the duty free shop. Huh? What about yeah. in Texas? Uh, nope, not even here. Wow. And the, and the color of your okay. kyber, your kyber crystal is? What I was gonna say is that um, in my order, uh, your kyber crystal kind of notes your rank within the 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 the, the, the church oh, the 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 uh. Example. Uh, chapter, temple. chapter. Jedi, it's the Jedi Temple. Yeah, it is. Oh, but yeah. like our our specific temple organization, okay. our org chart, right? Uh, so, uh, oh, and uh, certain certain people who are deprived of melanin aren't allowed to have purple ones. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, my specific crystal is a. Um, I a call joke. it. Thank you. I call it like. I call it light red. Um, some other people might call it another color, but I call it light red. Uh, what about like it's like, pink? Um, so that's it's, that's one rank. That's one rank up from the clear kyber crystal, right? Like the clear. It's, light it's actually one rank down. Like clear is like grandmaster. Like my, I am I am a high ranking missionary in my specific chapter, but I am nowhere near like grandmaster. I don't want to say his name. Right. Ben Master Funk Fresh. <laughs> now, um, I don't think he takes it as seriously as he should. Woodrow, as you are waiting in the airport, are there any things that you are doing? Is any of this inspiration feel for your next novel? Or are you just like anxiously waiting to board, like looking at your ticket, like seeing who you're going to be stuck next are you reading to? reading that Necronomicon? Um, I am in a weird mixture between reading the Necronomicon and going up to the airport bar for another drink and trying to impress the, the local ladies with my my prowess. So I, I go up to the bar and just kind of give me a Manhattan with uh, Canadian whiskey and a spritz of lime. <laughs> Can I tell you? I have no idea why that's funny. None, no clue. I can tell it's funny. Is that I don't know why. John? I can't quite tell. No, not all. I I literally have like. All right, that's hysterical. 
and that all right so that rivals your joke we're we're setting a good tone for the evening and i love well, it what's the joke okay uh, it's supposed to be rye order. whiskey uh sweet vermouth and a cherry it's just like you don't know what a manhattan is yeah clearly i don't which is <laughs> that's like the saying, joke um, so all right it'd be so, like saying make me a martini uh that's like a maraschino cherry and rum and coke right <laughs> exactly so <laughs> So all of you yeah. are engaging in your pre, your pre-flight rituals, and you know so far, like things are pretty uneventful. People are fussy. People are anxious, ready to move on. The thing that really is kind of like sets out as being unusual is you see a guy who's wearing something you know kind of uh, anachronistic, just like how you are, Claude. But it's a duster, like it's a very worn duster broad brim leather hat weather beaten old guy bedraggled gray hair who is arguing with the flight staff about his carry-on luggage it's just like a like a pound overweight and like just a little bit outside like that little metal slat where you have to put your bag in and make sure it fits and like he is raising hell like not being belligerent, but just being the hill he's gonna die on, yeah, loud and insistent. So, between a Ken and a Karen, but still a little asinine, he is insisting to take his carry on luggage on the plane, and they're arguing about it. It's almost to the point where TSA is going to be involved. Oh, well, I did like, uh, yeah, like, can we see what the carry on is? So, the carry on looks to be this like, like his duster, like his hat. It is a leather satchel of some kind. And you can tell this one is like antique kind of things where literally this bag would probably fit in the carrier, but it's the ribbing on it that it just doesn't slide in like a modern bag. It's just made with a little bit of an interior frame. So if it would fit normally, just like the base is flange just enough. Are any of you wanting to like intervene or you just like leave the crazy travel situation by itself? No right or wrong. Well, answers. first of all, as TSA will tell you, do not offer to hold another person's bags for them and keep your own bags in your possession at all times. Uh, and being a law-abiding occultist, um, I naturally would be sympathetic, but like, I don't know what the fuck I could do for him anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I am curious to see how, how, it, how far it escalates, though. I is the, is the person attempting to help him female? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. All right. Yeah, I'm coming over there. The white knight saddles up. Yep. My lady. Damn, fuck. Yep. My lady, doth this gentleman bother you? My lady. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Fuck me. Um, You have a a Jedi fedora. I take a a fedora out of my robes, put it on to tip it, then put it back. I, uh, Milady, is this uh, the stereotype is like that? You know, because we have such an international <laughs> audience, I really want to know if this translates. Nice like, guys exist in every country, right? 
Sorry, you were going to say, and I rudely interrupted. Uh, Milady, can I be of assistance? Maybe uh, I can help defuse the situation. She grits a, a customer service smile that is like way overused, and you can tell by the coffee in her breath that she has not been able to take a break from this place properly. And with like very mildly bloodshot eyes, like just tired holiday season, she's like, ah, you know, this gentleman's very, we have policies your bag has to fit in the slot or it's a it, right now it's a 20 i understand range. i understand i cut her off turn to the to the man sir they have policies uh your bag has to be able to fit in there or you can't carry it on and it obviously sir it's not fitting the man turns and looks and despite seeming to be maybe in his mid late 60s both his eyes have like milky cataracts. Like they're the very acid washed blue jean, blue he's gray. Him. And he just <laughs> smiles a little too much. And he goes, Pardon. How are, how are the teeth? I will just pay the fees and looks at the, the woman. And he pulls out like a crumpled old $50 bill, not like the modern $50 bill for people who are from a USD currency, and just slides it on the counter just the entire time locking eyes with the customer service agent. Milady, I break I break their contact by like shoving my head between the two of them. Would you like me to carry his... God, I fucking hate it. Would you like me to take his uh, belonging to get it checked? This is a carry-on bag that he's been fighting about. So he right, but if they're if they're not letting him put it up there, they have to check it. Isn't that the whole? Yes, he is paying the overage fee basically at this point. Like, oh, I didn't know you could she, do that. She in the conversation that she's having, they're fighting a little bit more about weight than they are size. Like, oh. size, like it's just enough that you could probably wedge it one of those overhead bands. But the biggest thing is that it is a pound overweight. And he oh, well, okay. You hell. said the ribbing, so I assumed it was that just too big. It's, it's and that's what she said as well, sir. <laughs> She is like one inch away from calling TSA uh, at this point. But at this point, she's like, she sees the $50. She knows it's probably like a $40 fee. She pockets the $10, and she's just says, this is going to get me the Starbucks. It's going to get me through this. <laughs> the plane finally finishes boarding. You see the rest of your luggage getting boarded, you know, put on. Like, people are throwing on the your sacks, you know, and your bags and things. Then you're able to see. So this is one of those like 747 models. It's a larger airplane. You're going from like the middle of the U.S., like circa the Denver region, region, and you're going to be going to Massachusetts. All of you are going to be landing in the international port of Arkham. So um, you start seating, and all of you, because you are a occultist, a writer, a missionary, you're going to be in economy like ultra <laughs> in the back there's coach and then there's economy you're like economy negative no my my agent was supposed to book me in at least like business class why am i here i am not supposed to be here you remember you it's, like, it's like a little flashback your agent saying 
you've been on the New York best time seller for a week. That's yeah, it. A week. Your I... mother is quite insistent on you that this was the best she could do. Look. <laughs> she should have known better. Your mother. She knows that I am a special boy and I don't mom have to deal with this. Like all of you are like a bit like different flavors of like neck beard in man baby. <laughs> yes. Like I like the fact that like this is the like most bizarre episode where like all of you are playing variants on like a similar flavor of trope and you're going to be like in a closed <laughs> and colder environment instead of the normal sandbox that it puts you so like this is like really kind of a fun like i am so curious how this is going to play out i love it i had to interject myself there i think I it's like partially i will say i think it's partially because of my feelings towards the people who get like super obsessed with lovecraft that, and that is very good. I mean, actually, that, that is entering into like a transference process there, and, I, and that makes sense um, for for literary nerds. And I said this in the green room before we came on. We're not going to be pulling so much Lovecraft because so many people directly, overtly pull from like Lovecraft stuff, and there are so many other pan Lovecraftian or weird mythos writers um, that this is Robert Blosh uh, for people who are. If that like instantly goes, I know all this works from 1937, then that's where we're going to be. So to fast forward, um, all of you are seating yourselves in economy. Your carry-on luggage is, you know, smashed, sandwiched up in the bin. And you're in the middle of the back of economy class. Um, I'm going to say for convenience sake and for the sake of narrative that all of you are in the same row. So I will let the three of you argue who gets window, who is stuck in the middle and who gets aisle. Oh, I uh, want middle. Oh, I want the middle. Oh, damn it. Okay. Uh, what I'll take type the of window, humans then. are you that you want the middle? No one wants middle. I, I want the window. The good word of the force. Paschke, I can't what do you want? sit in the aisle. Because the cart will hit me on my elbow, and it is very sensitive. I'm not supposed to be here. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I'll let I'll let little uh you know little Prince Fancy Pants have the uh the window seat. I'll take the uh the aisle. Thank you. Um, that's fine. Uh, and also, like, it's only fair because like these healthsome herbs that are in the nose cone of my plague mask are like. They're pretty strong, and like you guys are getting a little bit of an eye water off of them. So, if I was like, it is no, in there, it, there's no BO. way it overpowers my bo. <laughs> I love how that... we're leaning into this. <laughs> All, right, All right, I think we're, we've got our seats. So I'm gonna pick are... up the the flight magazine, start reading that. You know, Sky Mall. So. Yeah. You are, you lift off, um, you hear, as soon as you start to pull off the tarmac, you hear like, instantly those three babies, of course, they're all economy, start screaming in unison. You uh, hear, like, you can feel the pressure in your uh, ears popping off. I have a cat that is off camera who is chewing my headphones, so if my audio goes out, it is due to snacks. Um, Over the sound of the babies, you guys hear... Don't worry. Uh, this fight is safe. I am helping guide it use the using the force. 
Um, absolutely. Huh? One of the babies just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> the man with the duster. I think, I think you should make John roll save against uh, the baby exploding when he uses the force. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a show. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. So, as... Um, uh, how far does the baby go? 10 feet diameter? Oh, yes. 20 feet diameter? At least two rows. I rolled right? a six. So... I've got my terrain map out here, so I need to know what the blood radius is. <laughs> Just the little raw chicken at it. Wherever wherever the pieces land, that's how far. Okay, good. Yeah. We're done. All right. So the airplane fly. My cat is going crazy right now and I can't stop him. So the airplane is you know going up to the altitude. So you're leaving from the please leave me, child. Is going um That's why we're gonna fast forward here. My Again, if my audio cuts out, it is due to this cat. So you are uh, flying above Colorado, and you are heading to Massachusetts. You get to altitude, the cabin pressurizes, and that man who is wearing a duster with that hat, uh, his hat is sitting in his lap, and he's pulled his um, his luggage behind you or something because you hear him fiddling with the overhead bin for a while, and there's a lot of shifting noises. Um and he begins to start just muttering to himself. Like, it begins just a soft annoyance, like how there's light, so- like soft snoring sounds from people around you because it is late in the evening and people have been overlaid, but it's more just like an assistant rhythmic thing. Um, before we kind of move forward, um, Claude, since you were an occultist, can you... I was going to um, say... Make me a sanity check. So that's going to be a D6. Gladly. And you're going to be adding your bonus to it. And for you, that is... So that is a nat 5 plus... Uh, oh. Let me see. Sanity check is, I believe, plus 2. So that's a 7, seven total. Fantastic. Yep. Now, as far as your character goes, do you feel like you'd be familiar with like more antiquated germanic occultist texts oh for sure man like that's uh you know malleus maleficarum like golden age of witch burning and werewolf hunting absolutely so So you pick up little snippets of things that you're where you've heard from like you've read in that one it's like scanned pdf versions of de vermis mysterious by Ludwig. Oh man, another one of my favorite fictional. That's awesome. Okay. Does your character know the significance of some of those rites and books? Well, if I do, then the character goddamn sure does. Uh, yeah, yeah. The mysteries of the worm, which is not a treatise on gardening. It's uh, essentially like which which of the great old ones is the the worm that devours uh, or whatever? I forget. Um... It's that. It's that one. The Crawling Darkness? It would be in your Arthur Something tab. like that. Yeah, it's one of the prescribed texts that, like like the Necronomicon, can summon or contains rituals for summoning great old ones and stuff like that. So, summoning bad news. Day. So, as yeah, he's beginning think. to chant with like louder and louder fervor, 
um, you hear people around you muttering for him to knock it off, and you see, like, you hear people behind you hit the overcom button for the stewardess or steward to, or flight attendant, excuse me, to uh, intercede. And so a flight attendant comes up and says, sir, you have to stop your muttering. Guy apologizes and things are quiet again. For the rest of you, your in-flight movie options are either stepbrothers or Sophie's Choice. Uh, snacks will be uh, pushed around the cart around the next hour or so. Um, the restrooms are to the rear of you and also to the very far front of you in between um, coach and first class. And um, there will be no meal served on this cast. You're... Uh, I pull up uh, episode four on my phone. Uh, the the original, <laughs> by the way, where Han shot first. Not the shitty mm-hmm. remake. Um, no, and the original Han shoots. Greedo doesn't have a chance to shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Picky. Then, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that's, uh, I've got my, like, my, my, these size headphones on, on the plane, just like, like whispering the words along with the movie. Boy, I wish that hadn't been me at certain points in my life. Um, I know it. I know yeah, it, buddy. Yeah, so like, I'm, I'm going to ring for the stewardess real quick, like ring a dig a ding ding and uh, patiently wait for Milady to approach. <laughs> Three of us are using Milady. <laughs> or, so, or I'm a gentleman, I mean. <laughs> Mabrosif. So, uh, a very attractive in his mid thirties German man, very blonde, oh, almost yeah. exceedingly so man, uh, responds Maybe to your call so, summons. Yeah. Uh, leans in and says, "May I help you?" Um, can I get some salt, please? Do you guys have just packages of salt? The man looks at you and goes, "But of course, I." We'll get it for you. And he reaches into his pocket and he has one of those like napkin, fork, spoon, little like stale packet of black pepper and salt and rips that up and gives you the salt package and goes, is this enough? No, like uh, maybe about five of those would be good. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I will gladly like pay whatever premium you require for the salt. Before you mention the payment, he's about to ask if you remember their loyalty rewards rewards club. But when you mention payments, he goes, but of course, he walks back behind you where there is one of the uh, air attend- flight attendant uh, little cabin areas where they prepare the coffee and little snacks and things and brings back a handful of the salt packets. Um, Excellent. And it also hands out a hand expectantly towards the uh, said mentioned payment. Yep, and I'm gonna reach into my uh, my wallet and pull out a uh, extra crispy like ah oh, fuck it I'll, I'll give the guy a twenty I I like the tip uh, personnel who helped me out so all right make me that. a luck check okay let's see you come on don't fail me now oh nat six uh, and I think that my luck is not total bullshit let me double check on that though your luck uh, yeah, is plus two eight. Yep, so that's the highest Which possible roll on that. It is the highest possible roll you can make in this game. Your fingers touch briefly, and he looks at you. Blue eyes, and he 
nods just ever so much towards the cabin, like the the bathrooms, and he goes, <laughs> "If you're interested, you bet your fucking ass, I'm going with him. Hell yes, hell yes, I can do the salt <laughs> circle when I get back." Uh, you guys- I hope I hope you enjoy your sausage snack, but I also hope you slit your throat because that'd be extremely funny. On your way back to the bathrooms, you see that that man with the long bedraggled hair and duster, he has a large tome in his lap. He is looking outside the window, and you can see that he has an onyx crystal on his lap, on his right leg, on his left leg. He has some type of wadded red thing. At first you think it's beef jerky, and then you realize that it's some type of raw meat but when you take a second to kind of like look more intensely what's happening hans just like drags you into that bathroom and <laughs> that you know, like thing, i want like... i want to save the world but i've got a large tome in my lap too so i'm gonna go take care of this real quick um and uh yeah you guys can fend for yourselves for i don't know about 20 minutes make it 30 30 minutes Oh, you're gonna cuddle afterward. That's a that's a lot of foreplay <laughs> for an air, airplane bathroom. The line by the bathroom just gets longer and longer. Um, so, Woodrow and Dilber, uh, what are our actions? Are you want to do initially? Um, so I'm each of you have... watch an episode four while my my right. roommate gets railed in the airplane bathroom. <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm watching Woodrow, Star Wars. Woodrow. What is it that you are doing? From the inside of the of the aisle by the window, probably looking out the window. Can do I have reason or can I see our our cowboy hatted friend? Probably not. You uh, he is about two rows back from you. So if you like give the side eye and like lean, like looking out the windows, if you're pretending to look at the comet, you could definitely get a good look at him. Okay, so yeah. Um and he's he's sitting here. I'm here, so there's going to be a seat. I probably wouldn't You'll see get, the, like, the raw much meat. Of a... Whoa! Do, do yeah. I see the book? More importantly, and you... do I? So you get a view of his face looking down into his lap. And he's everyone muttering. here is perverts. Yeah. <laughs> this is not how I wrote this, but go ahead. Well... <laughs> Since I have a copy of the Necronomicon, what like I can't see his book to know if it's like the same edition. Um, I guess I would just start reading the Necronomicon. Do I do I need to roll for like a f- exciting passage? What are you wanting to do now? Part of your point and part of your purpose of taking this flight is to get your Necronomicon authenticated because there's a question of whether or not the Necronomicon you have in possession is one of those fictitious novels that Charles told us about in the intro or a literal text written by the mad Arab mm. Abdul Al-Hazid. Uh, yes, we know that it, that is an offensive stereotype, but that is literally how he was called. It was a BS name, BS title. We're, we we acknowledge that um, person of Middle Eastern descent suffer uh, living with uh, mental uh, illness. <laughs> um, like just a quick 
like just to throw this in here uh the origins of the like the myth of where the necronomicon came from and everything um is not entirely uh like just lovecraft orientalism um there are a lot of legends in classical arabic alchemical texts about the rub al uh is it kayat ruba kayat oh, right i forgot about that yeah, yeah the empty quarter it's the most like deserted part of the desert and because it has so much sand uninterrupted by you know there are like a lot of crazy mirages so there have always been stories of like phantom cities and like mm -hmm. phantom tribes it's like of the people unknown that city like, that's also um exactly, exactly. in jewish yeah. mythology that's also where demons are supposed to come from mm -hmm. is that empty yeah. kind of stretch of desert yeah, it's uh it's the source of a lot of mystery in world for folklore. I'd love to go there one day. So then Woodrow, like there's a question whether or not this is an authentic text. You it seems like you have a, a lot of intense belief that this is a actual necronomicon that you have. Um so when you pull this out and you start reading things, are you is it like you are just pulling it out and then like reading it for a leisure, or is there some type of passage or something that you're wanting to do with the Necronomicon. I'm going to cross-reference the the comet that we're looking at, see if the Necronomicon oh. has anything comet-related. All right. That Ooh. is where anything at all. things are going to get interesting. I need you to make these sanity checks. That's D6, and for you, um, let me pull up your character sheet here. That is also a plus two. Five with the modifier. All right. So um, you start to pour deeply into the pages. And as you're looking at the pages, the pages are beginning to blur and your thumbs are moving like faster over the pages and the words are blending together and you're starting to see like this outline of this comet and the comet looks really fucking close to the window and like you're like sweating and why is it so hot in here? And um, you take uh, like one point of damage and you can take that for any of your stats, probably sanity for flavor, but you start to get this feeling of like insanely impending doom, like something is really bad, like there's a gremlin on the wing of the plane, one of the engines is going to go out, something bad is here, but it's in the text and we're all going to die in a really horrible way. And you like, there's like this moment of like clarity in all this where like you have this thing where you know something really bad is about to happen and you don't know what it is, but like you're one of the few people that can do something about it. And fuck you, you don't know what it is. And that is frightening. Something terrible gonna happen. Something worse than me sitting here and coach with all of you. <laughs> That's fair. That's I hey. I get it. Uh, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. I think I've had this exact like physical psychological reaction in an airplane before. Um yeah, uh I'm I'm done ravishing uh beautiful um Hans or whatever his name is. Um so I come back Ian's with a big brother. smile on my face. Uh yeah. And um I'm going to go ahead and and make a uh a circle of salt around myself and uh perform a simple uh warding ritual under my breath which 
if I know it, my character would know it. So originally you talked about being there for half an hour. So the fact that you were in there for two minutes and less, Hans looks very disappointed <laughs> at you. In fact, like he has this very sad like Americans. He gives you some extra packets of salt and just <laughs> He just called you a salty bitch. Uh, and uh, next time you call, he will take extra long, and your coffee is going to be cold, and you're going to get one less peanut than you normally do from your in light snack. But uh, so well, I'll let you do that. You know, um, to be fair, you, you didn't give him his nut. When you come back if, if from we were, the restroom, you like you a, see uh, a dating sim, you know, it would be one thing. But... Exactly. So you see that Woodrow is like kind of frothing <laughs> at the corners of his mouth, like. Buried in the tome. Uh, first off, so give me a couple of things. Um, make me a sanity check. I know I'm making you like three rolls in a row there. Have a cloth, make me a quick sanity check. And that's a three plus, I think I have a two. two that's a five. A five so you instantly recognize that he has what you would believe as an occultist who's about to make a pilot on the History Channel, a genuine copy of the Necronomicon on a flight randomly. And there's a babbling of the mouth, eyes rolling back in the skull. Um, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, so like, um, like, okay, so you've seen Hannibal, right? The three of you, the the TV uh, show. No, not the TV show. There's I've a, seen the movies. Oh, okay, the TV show is a little different. There's a subplot where one of the characters has a viral infection of his brain. He's got like um, viral encephalitis. Right. And um, Hannibal Lecter knows and has taken him to get his brain scanned by another doctor who's like friends with Hannibal Lecter. And Hannibal convinces this other doctor that it would be like scientifically interesting to let this infection run its course so that they could force science see how his brain changes and and develops under it and so they tell him like nope nothing wrong with your brain you know you're just crazy um that's kind of the strategy i'm gonna take here it's like, like uh sorry that's malignant like... neglect in no, the interest say, of like, uh pursuing my day job is clinical research like human ethics and regulations <laughs> and i'm like this is everything they yeah. warn you about in like research ethics 101 the Tuskegee yep. and like oh shit yeah yeah uh, oh. I'm not right. ethical right. I'm, I, so no no my character we're gonna not fast ethical, forward this because whatsoever. one of you is uh eyes rolled back uh just thumbing the neck of Maricon and foaming at the mouth and then another one of you is just like blithely watching episode four the one and best of the episode of movies and another one is just like he 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 um that over there was just okay but i got That's salt like, packets and uh I'm, I'm, doing... I'm actually i'm actually picturing this as a movie and like the shot i see is like it starts at the front of the plane and starts scrolling back and like there are people like turning into demons and shit and then it gets to our aisle and like you know Pashki's turning into a demon and then there's john at the end of the aisle just like... no no I'm in, I'm in between you two which makes yeah. it even better yeah because yeah, he, totally. he's like what's the underwear and you're just like i'm like i know 
thought this was D. I thought this was the D specialized version, but it's the specialized version. Why is there CG? No. Uh, so, um, what happens here is a couple of different things. You're intentionally choosing not to intercede. You have someone that is just uh, in, involved in their holy films. You have another person that's just freaking out without able to do anything really about it. That man who's two rows behind you, his chanting starts to get louder. The babies that are on the sh on the, the plane start to like all scream really loudly, like all at once, like blood is coming out of their ears. The pressure in the cabin is like getting tighter. Like people are turning those little fan things on the maximum. And there's not enough air coming from those little fans. People are just beginning to just like get uncomfortable. And this is building to a crescendo. The man stands up and begins to scream at the top of his lungs, holding in one hand this book. And then blood starts to like drip down the windows like that comet is burning like really too bright outside and everyone is looking at it and back in that awesome air stewards like section where they're preparing coffee you hear this like insistent gibbering high-pitched laughter like there are people <laughs> who are watching sophie's choice right now and you can see on the back seat of their chairs and you're hearing high-pitched laughter. Like, there's maybe one person watching Step Brothers, but you're hearing inappropriate, loud laughter just echoing from everywhere. Like, Sophie just made her choice, and there's laughter. Your and sex was so bad, you drove the German insane. That's how you know it's a. That's how you know it's a fictional game. A quick aside: I once worked in a sex research <laughs> lab, and we had to use video controls to invoke certain affects in people. And we used Silence of the Lambs, and we used Sophie's Choice. So the fact that you brought up Hannibal and I had Sophie's Choice written in here is like you're giving me some flashbacks. I just want to point out. I want to point out that that's fictional because you know Bernard can lay some pipe. <laughs> but how many packets of salt well, does he need? Late, this Stephen, I'm just a general, uh, just a general pipe merchant. How it is? Rolls through the cabin. You hear that man behind you begin to like froth at the mouth. You hear someone like in a row behind you screaming for like, "Is there a doctor on board?" And that guy is like foaming eyes rolled back up in his head and like there's that first like breathtaking judder when like a plane hits a bit of turbulence and like all of you are like oh shit are we gonna die you feel the plane drop for just a second and like those cabins that are holding the air mass like rattle and you know like something as bad is happening here outside where that that, that uh comet you can see in the distance you instantly see all of the cloud barrier that's underneath your plane is beginning to roil and like reach up with the hands of the to the the plane itself and it becomes like this terrible white and gray out and you feel cool. the plane begin to judder First off, I need all of you to make me a sanity check. You got it. And then I have something that Five. just... Oh, I, I passed it again. Nat four, four plus two. Nice nails. Yeah. What did you get? You, you uh, got six it. with my six. modifier. All right. Uh, so Dilber and Woodrow, 
Dragon to panic. Um, this entire time, uh, Claude, you've been waiting, like, watching to see how this is going to play out. Like, this is like something you're like, hee hee hee, syphilis is running right. The rest of you are freaking <laughs> out because you know that you're in mortal Dick. terror of some kind. You just got interrupted, like, right towards, like, brother-sister, like, kissing scene. Um, like, this is, like, a blasphemous to you. Like, it is, so this is horrible. Everyone on the plane is screaming. Luggage is beginning to fall out of overhead container. Uh, that man who, like, was just foaming at the mouth seems to be in full cardiac arrest. Yes, Claude. I, I think that it is now time for me to invoke uh, the Elder Sign, uh, which happens to be one of my items. Call it a surprise right. item. Regular party favor. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Elder Sign, much like the Sign of the Yellow King or what have you, is like, is it sort of an insta-summon type deal? So how I'm going to treat this is normally in the... Similar Cthulhu, one of the items that you can have for your class starting off would be like a crucifix. I'm swapping out Elder Sign because you're an occultist, so that just seemed to make more sense. So you're going to basically have a personal ward for you. So for the viewer at home, okay. the Elder Sign is a almost like a like a diagonal line with forking a lot, and almost like an ancient diluvian branch type of glyph. So you pull and, that uh, out in silver. And with that and, and my and my remaining salt, I will now attempt to uh, uh exorcise Mr. Um eighteen hundreds gear, uh these mysterious vermis, um, you know, old German knowing man. Actually that would be written in Latin Vulgate, I think, but yeah. All right, um, make me a luck check. Will do. Uh, it's the first not great one of the night. That's a three plus two is, is five. So you stand up spilling salt on your uh, in-flight table. Like the <laughs> lights above you saying like, please uh, fasten your seatbelt. So you get that like ding sound. You stand up, spill your salt everywhere. And you start just like, blah, 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 and you like hold up this like thing. And like people are looking at you like you were just lost your marbles. Um. <laughs> Nothing seems to happen. There is a person that's like, I'm an RN, and like goes in and starts doing like chest compressions on that person. And it seems like he's just gone. Like there's just like like people like he is just like planting on his chest and trying to revive this man. And the entire time you're hearing this high-pitched cackling. Not only is it coming from behind you, from like where that uh air stewardess sec or uh, air steward section is. It's beginning to like crackle to all of the speakers built in every single seat. You hear high pitched hyena cackling. I love hyenas. We've had this debate before so many times. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I will instead, um, next time it's my turn, I should say. So. What did Do you have... roll on your elder sign? Was that a nat one? Huh? When you rolled your stat check for your elder sign, was that a nat one? No, no, no. It was okay. a nat three plus right, the modifier you. is a five. All right. Yeah. Oh, a five. I thought it was a three. Okay, five. It's still all right. Go ahead. 
Uh, I was just going to say, like, the movie scene in my head keeps getting better as, like, one guy stands up with, like, some mysterious symbol and it's like, <laughs> and then this nurse, this nurse just looks at him like, the fuck is wrong with you? And goes over and starts doing, like, actual, you know, life-saving uh, methodology. I love it. Um, All right. Someone else's turn. Woodrow or Dilber? I still phoning. Don't be mad. I haven't looked away from the screen yet. <laughs> Not even during that plunge or like when the fucking when we lost altitude for a minute. Hey, hey, you have your religious rituals. I have mine. <laughs> it's the amount of droll coming out of my character's mouth on your character's light leg just because of the path that it's yeah. running. I, ass I, assume, <laughs> I assume it is my own leavings. Woodrow, as you are caught in the thralls of this terrible grip, as you are like feverishly tearing through the pages of this book in your lap, you're getting this image of like a giant wad of meat with tentacles and teeth and terrible things that's going to tear and rend through everything. Oh, boy. And you snap back with crystal lucidity and you're able to pry yourself from the book. Okay. Um, this, I need to find a wad of meat and destroy it before it destroys us, right? Did I understand that correctly? I'm talking to a book so. right now because <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense to me at the moment. I look over to watch um, the scene around me. All right, so you are looking um, around. Anyone else looking around the plant, your economy section? I actually am going to lean over to my um, Necronomicon having companion Woodrow, I think, and uh, just like basically say like, hey, buddy, I happen to be a bit of a uh, dabbler in the occult. I think that what you've got there is a very genuine and dangerous book. And I think that that fellow who appears to be dead uh, two seats behind us has a different book called uh, Demysterious Vermis, and I tell him, like, bad shit going on, blah, blah, blah. I just want to catch him up with, like, an info dump real quick, you know? The laughter that you're hearing is getting louder and more assistant. People are beginning to cry and wail, and nothing you can do to the onboard console is getting that damn laughter to stop. <laughs> Like it's just like getting real bad. Um, um, as you are like giving him an info dump and like just giving him this like mansplaining about the history of like John D did this and like a like leading up to like modern like occultism. Um, there is uh, actually I'm gonna make the both of you since I know that Dilber, you're still watching your holy film. Uh, mm -hmm. Dilber and and Wood, sorry, Claude and Woodrow both make me a luck check. Actually, you know, scratch so, that. Make question. me a sanity check. I'm gonna say sanity. 
Question: Does the does the holy writ of Star Wars actually protect him from the madness? That's a nat six. Well, I so mean, if you I... look for a second down lucky at Dilber, he looks beatific. There's no blood coming out from any orifice. <laughs> he doesn't look disturbed. He looks peaceful. He is lovingly like... stroking his lightsaber, fiberglass hilts. It, it, it is. It is like not only am I like engaged in a thing that makes me happy and is an escape from reality i'm not hearing any of this i'm not seeing any of it which protects like that's what protects your sanity i'm ignorant of what's happening <laughs> in the cthulhu verse that is actually canon yeah, yeah it's I know. you think this is a mistake yeah. you think it's a funny joke no i'm protecting myself <laughs> so claude and woodrow what did you get for your sanity checks Oh, I, I rolled great. I had a nat six on soybeans, no less. All right, and for you, Woodrow, I rolled a four. Uh, so you got you a four, and you, were you added her. plus two. Of your, wait, do you have plus two or plus um, zero for your sanity right now? Oh, uh, I thought we all agreed it would be more interesting for me to lose my sanity. I wanted to verify. We so, did. Um, yeah. I mean, Woodrow, I would have. You're. You're looking up at the at, at around you, and you're not really noticing what's happening. You're fixating more on like the human misery that's happening around here, and just like how, like people rocking their babies, there are like people freaking out. There's people like texting their loved ones when they should have their phone in airplane mode. Cloth, you have this moment of just like this like intense, almost not malign, but just like cold, calculating. Like you're observing everything, and you notice close to where that sauce's locker that bathroom was that's there's exactly weird, what i was thinking there's a weird i literally shimmer go ahead in the air that like no one else seems to notice but you and that okay. person who's um, doing chest compressions on that man you see that shimmer go over to them and all of a sudden like blood spurts out the neck of that nurse like he is doing chest compressions and like literally his like flesh unfurls and you see him he like screams in agony everyone else like looks in horror as like extending from his neck you see these like growing very faint red tendrils into this giant like red blossoming thing you see in real time this nurse like he begins to shrivel and his blood starts to leak out from his neck into these red ropey tentacles to this blasphemous thing that when you look at it, it has too many mouths and they're all laughing and like this guy is turning to a raisin and the laughter is getting louder for the speakers around you um i would like to know so let me see that's this Steward, stewardess compartment. I'm thinking. So, like, is that the opposite direction of the cockpit or the name? That is in the rear. So that is the two rows behind you. It was the nurse who was trying to give chest compressions to that man who was reading out of that book that he probably shouldn't have been. Uh, and that uh, nurse, he is turning into a raisin. Okay. I would like to perform the following actions. I would like to uh, look toward the cockpit of the plane and see if I can spot. Um, yeah, fuck it. I'll just I'll run toward the cockpit. That's what I'll do. 
So away from the abominable horror um, toward the cockpit. So this is the holiday season. So this is one of the larger cargo plane or uh, passenger planes. So it has a layout where all you have your economy coach, which is also just basically economy plus, and then business. You have a staircase that leads up to upper upper business, and then the cockpit. Okay, what I'm looking for is a parachute. Uh, uh, so I'm making my way toward the cockpit, hellbent for leather. My eyes, I only have eyes for a parachute right now. Cockpit. <laughs> now, when you, they do tell yeah. you at the very beginning, when you fly a plane, they'll let you know about the onboard air masks and then where your inflatables are under your seat. And then by the right, wings, there are the uh, parachutes that you can get. Okay. Um, let me see. Uh, so you know that you just have to run a very short bit to get it to where the parachutes are. Now keep in mind, just like the I... Titanic, there's not enough parachutes for everyone. Well, no shit. I mean, I'm only thinking of myself. Like at this point, at this point, what I'm trying to calculate is whether I can steal both the Necronomicon and Devermis and get out of the plane with a parachute before this whole thing goes up um but i'm i'm balancing that occult wisdom versus the value of my life so uh hmm. uh i'll think about that i'm gonna let you think about that so this entire time this has been happening dilber are you breaking from your holy film or are you sticking to the ritual of once you start you can't stop Gilbert, you need to tap into the force so we can hear you. Project yourself. Uh, I'm a force ghost now. Um, <laughs> we can hear force uh, ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like I probably have a special edit of all the films back to back. Like uninterrupted. Yeah, Makes of sense. course. And so uh, like as soon as as soon as and and I do not put out the credits because I like mouth the creators now I'm like yeah fuck yeah Ken Goldman yeah you did the special effects <laughs> best grip Tony this wouldn't exist without you I give thanks to all the creators of um of Star Wars as I watch uh, and so then as soon as that like MGM or whatever whoever the Fox logo scrolls up. Do, 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 do. The uh, the beginning credits of the next movie start. So you go through the full thing. You have this shaking of your faith. You've been struggling lately, but you are doubling down. And you're like, this is the time that I no, at, at, hold, hold step back. There's no questioning of my faith. There's a questioning okay. of humanity's readiness to accept the force in their heart. Okay. okay. You take the time. That is, that is the line, the company line. Yeah. You take the time to individually tune each of your midichlorians to the correct vibrational wavelength. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> I am going to make a break for it. I uh, book it for the um, wing of the plane, grab and fly a parachute. 
I hit that emergency release lever on Be the door. Before you can, you can, <laughs> so when you rush up, so stewards are, or they are very much occupied with like mollifying guests and there are people that are getting yeah. up and anxious and like, like people are crying and wailing and things like that. But one of them, Hans, locks eyes with you <laughs> and sees you going for the air shoot. When you get like that second arm in, and sees you going for that emergency release, he is trying to tackle you. So I am going to need you to make me a difficult dexterity check to see if you can beat okay. Hans to that lever. Because if you depressurize the entire cabin, it's going to get really <laughs> fucky in here. It's going to get real <laughs> funny real fast. I rolled a five. <laughs> And you, uh, I think Dex is my weakest stat, so that's that's a five total. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, well, Dex is a zero, so that's technically that's a, five. a difficult is six to seven. You rolled a five. Um, okay. So Hans tackles you before you can hit Hooray! the switch, um, and you're Round in a two. very similar. <laughs> a similar yeah. entanglement uh, to how you were before and he goes why'd you run off on me I thought we had a thing and and I'm gonna murmur to him um, we do but if you and I don't get out of this plane we're going to die and um, I, I just kind of gesture at the uh, the tentacled thing that's by now no doubt manifested itself fully Absolutely. So, as another series of rules, I'm going to need you, Claude, and Woodrow, make me another uh, sanity check, both of you. Oh, not me. Ooh, I'm watching my movie. You are still watching your film. You have not told me you've turned around to see this entire scene. You are I... undeterred. That is another nat five. Like, I am having a great okay, nat night five. With this is that a nat one for you, Woodrow? Yeah, right. yeah. So Woodrow, you <laughs> you were reading in the Necronomicon, but you have no idea what this thing is. All you know is it looks very similar to that wad of meat you saw in your head. To you, Claude, you identify that this thing is a star vampire. And oh, cool. It is going to suck the blood of everyone in this ship, everyone in this plane, and then it's going to crash it. Yep, that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, the laughter that everyone is hearing is getting laughter. It's almost to the point, Dilburn, Lou you're louder, see, like, like it's almost like interfering with you. Like you know, you keep turning up the your 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 earbuds, but it is getting louder and louder and obnoxious. Um, you hear terrible screams of terror as you see couple like three rows up diagonal on the other side of the ship like another like this burst of blood and like a swelling mass of tentacles beginning to like blossom out from the side of like a young couple um what are the three so first of all like this is a trope i love in fiction when what? like bad shit is happening and someone is just like oblivious to it, Mr. Magooing completely. It. Oh, I love it. Yeah, love it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And or they're like, it's like the scene in the movie where like the guy's on the train, but he's got the headphones on, he doesn't see all the murder happening behind him mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, I love that shit because I'm pretty sure that's how I'll die. So I love uh, the fact yeah. that like as a cast, like all of you are willing to play different tropes and 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 
things like I really I appreciate you guys. Um, you know what I appreciate? I appreciate people not being so loud and noisy when I'm trying to watch episode <laughs> five. <laughs> I appreciate. Uh, have the minor was- I do. I do want to say that uh, I do make rhythmic, like um, in Judaism, we call them nagoons, the wordless songs. Um, example, however, I'm I'm making like Star Wars noise, uh, uh, lightsaber noise, nagoons uh, during every yeah, fight. The world is, is going to be a better place once. Uh... Once me and uh, me and my beloved um, make a, a leap for it out of this plane and let these jabronis go down in flames. I need I need to assess some things to my character real quick though. All right, what's I that? rolled a one, which means I'm probably got a little bit mad again, right? So, um, so That's what I- if you were using an item, so if you were specifically using an item, your item would be completely uh, depleted or gone. Can you uh, deplete the Necronomicon? Never. No. Um, so the fact that you were like rolling a zero, um, it's not going to penalize you per se. It's just okay. going to give you the bad outcome. Um, but bad rolls otherwise, like if you're trying to avoid damage or other things, so let's say one of those tentacle things are actually going to come your way, uh, that's when you're going to start taking stat damage. Now, uh, all of you, as kind of a reminder, when you start doing like really heroic or really um, amazing <laughs> things, you're start you're going to start getting talents, uh, which unlock different abilities that are going to happen in this game. Um, I don't see a lot of heroic behavior going on tonight, bud. <laughs> it depends on how you define it. I've, My point uh, is, I've gotten. I've gotten laid and I'm about to crash a plane. I mean, I you think know, I'm having a pretty I, good night. I feel like <laughs> as a person that's got the most actions, I probably should have given you a, a, a talent to recognize that, <laughs> Charles, uh, aka Claude. Uh, since we are getting like closer into Claude's time for the evening, night. I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, the dexterity-based talent, which is dancer. Because I don't uh, know with how with how Han seemed to say, I don't think he has much dexterity. Um, so the value on your die when you dodge is going to increase by two times. So that's going to be more useful in combat or evasive things, but uh, as you were being pinned well, by Hans on the floor. How about I evasively slip uh, Hans into one of these parachutes and the both of us get the fuck out of here? Okay, alright. So I guess I just gave you that fuel. Um, so You sure I, did. I will allow that. Um so may I request that you force them both to roll luck to see if the chute's open? <laughs> I will also allow that. So go ahead and make me a dexterity check and we'll treat it with the dancer. Okay. Thing. So that's gonna be yeah, so that's yeah, that's a nat three times two is a six, plus my dex modifier is like zero, I think. All so right. nat six. Or I'm sorry, with so, modifier it's a six. Having been um a little bit slippery from previous uh, activities and the sweat from running around. Um, you were able to wrestle yourself out of the, in this embrace and, <laughs> and lovingly put a uh, parachute around Hans and uh, get it slightly. There's that like click of the belt and like both of you stop and you like lock eyes and you hear that click and you're like, he realizes like you're serious. And also yeah. there are now two of these like, 
giant tentacled mouth things like eating cast passengers. It's like eating the row that they're on, eating the next row. And so like behind immediately behind you, Woodrow and Dilber, like there are like fleshy tentacles beginning to quest their way to you with like mouth like biting mandibles on the end. Um uh so go ahead and make me I'm just gonna like see how this plays out. So it's gonna be kind of because I um um okay uh, I'm holding this roll and you'll you'll see why in a second it'll okay. be beautiful I promise so you're uh, I it. finally notice what's happening all right <laughs> all right real quick because you've been kind of inactive for a while interpret what's been happening in your perspective so um what happens or I guess allow me to paint the word picture that is um uh William. Dilbor's uh, perspective. Dilbor has uh, felt a disturbance in the force, uh, namely something hitting the back <laughs> of his chair over and over again, and has pulled his earbuds out and realized, like, no, it's not some interference on his own. There's actually screaming and laughing going on. Uh, Dilbor turns his head and sees this alien menace, this red lightning-looking tenderly thing. Phantom and there's only menace? one thing that can cause red living lightning. That's the set. The Emperor. Now, <laughs> now, Ian, uh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to tell me I need to roll sanity, which I was holding as I rolled an eight. I rolled a six, but plus two, eight. Um, so my All response right. to this is to whisper, it's finally my time to be a Skywalker and draw my fake-ass <laughs> lightsaber and charge into battle. Is this literally the moment we talked about on another show like a couple of weeks ago of like talking about brain dead slash dead alive where I kick ass for the Lord? You just did like yeah. I kick ass for the force. You yes. pull out your piece of fiberglass with your light your light red kyber crystal you thumb like your triple a battery or tell me double a battery there'd be uh, the double d's double oh, no. d's there'd be i guess a single d i just i have down. double d's on the mind so i guess badass and All right. yeah. yeah um there's this yeah. like moment of calm where you hear this like the thrum and like crackle sound when you first activate and you like thrum the activation rune um, and like for one second, you think that like all the overhead speakers stop that gibbering laughter and you face down this thing. It is a ball of mouths. It is floating and it is laughing from every single tendril that are now going towards you. I welcome it as I charge into battle. All right. So roll <laughs> me a dexterity to hit this thing with your trusty lightsaber. That is another six. I don't have any points of dexterity, so it's just a straight six. All right. Well, fantastic. So you swing your weapon at it, and... Uh, I'm sorry, Ian. Would you please describe this from uh, uh, Charles's perspective? So, as he looks over and sees you this. Were wrestling Hans on the floor and both of you are sweating and out of breath panting just a couple of inches from kissing each other again passionately yeah, yeah. you hear this like yeah. ah, <laughs> 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 
you see like this like over like like as you're on like the, the, the floor like trying to like like lock this belt into place so your friend doesn't fall to his death like you see like the very tip would of you this, like light red would you make lightsaber that, would you make that war cry for me again which one? The the warrior. The war, the, the war and like, the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm also Wario. <laughs> you could tell this is a fresh pair of double D's that are like clicking in. Um and you see um your compatriot in waiting, Dilbert, throw himself at a star vampire. A thing from beyond the stars. The thing that was carried yep. by this comet that has come here to destroy all of life was a piece of fiberglass. Um, I mean, there's always one human who takes a swing at a space marine in full, like, armor with, like, a crowbar, you know? That is exactly Bless Bless what is hearts. happening here. But we, he knows no fear. All that is known here is bravery. And it is <laughs> glorious. Yeah. His, For my ladies! If anyone survives <laughs> on this plane, they will report to his temple, his chapter rather, how brave he was as he wonks <laughs> this uh, horror from beyond the stars with a piece <laughs> of fiberglass reinforced with two double Ds. Um, you inflict one point of damage upon this thing. The laughter just gets more cackling. Um, and I'm joining one of those in. mouths wraps around your shafts and snaps it. Oh no! That My horn sounds smells like a ram. <laughs> um. So Woodrow. Um. Okay. I just want to point out he snapped my fiberglass uh, shaft. It's actually probably more deadly now. Yeah, I was going to say, no, what he did is gave me a fiberglass lightsaber shiv. That is true. That's true. That's right, true. That um, stuff is sharp as shit. So yeah. I'm going to handle yeah. this round robin as far as like order of actions that's happened. So that's going to be uh, you next, Woodrow, followed by again Claude and Dilber. So you have two of these tor horrible blasphemous things that are eating their ways through these rows, and they're probably inevitably heading towards the cockpit to take down this plane. <laughs> so uh, tell me, Woodrow, what are you doing? Okay. Uh, I have no weapons. I have a book that has driven me mad. Um, fuck. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Uh, it's a head but... you can throw. It is. I, I have two options. Consult the book again, double down, or would I know that there are parachutes in the back of the plane as well? No, I don't think you, I would. I no, don't think you I would know this because every time you take a, a flight, they tell you where all the emergency exits are and how to use all those things. It's in the brochure right next to the barf bag. So it's not like I'm withholding information. You would know where these things are. Yeah. Okay. So I know. I'm doing, um, the, I'm doing the direction. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the, the demise of this plane and everyone on it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. My man. Join joining team. All right. I grab the did you grab the other book or it's no, I'm you're just gonna failing. have to get past that thing. Yeah. Are you and me flailing around too now? Are you wanting to push back that thing to get this <laughs> other ancient tome? That's not a leading question. I need to know. Are you willing to risk a life and limb to get that other book? Uh Ian, yes. point of order. 
would have mind that had begun corrupt being corrupted by the Necronomicon allow him to leave that book behind? I believe that should be a role, sir. Ooh, that's, that's I good. like that. I'm going to use that. So, uh, Woodrow, uh, would you make me a sanity check to resist the lure of ancient heretical lore? Yeah, you want that book. You were going to try to bull rush past this giant pulsating orb that is like just eaten like another passenger next to you across the aisle. Um, this is beginning to be like Critters 2, but with like tentacles. So I guess this would be like Critters 4. Um, no uh, one gets those references, and that's I, great. But anywho. I only uh, I only made it through, oh wait, was Critters 2 the one that took place on the movie set, like in the movie? So Critters, remember. Critters 2 is the one with the giant ball, like the gibbering mouther ball that was like mowing over everything. Critters three was basically like Predator two, where you went to the big city. I've been Predator or Critters oh. four was the one where you were in space. Okay, so I'm thinking of the original Critters. I think um, they're all kind like, of goofy. There's a lot of meta horror yeah. with them. Anyways, yeah. All right. So as a quick aside, um, I'm going to play this out, and then we're going to snap back to the order of initiative. Uh, so Woodrow, um, you are have this burning desire for self-preservation, but also to preserve that book. Uh, if you want to go claim that book, which it seems like you do, make me. You're going to make me a difficult dexterity roll to try to move past these snaking tendrils that are just like knifing people in the neck and draining them dry. Can I have advantage? I couldn't quite catch that. State again. Can I get advantage on that roll? No, you were enthralled in madness. <laughs> what did you roll? I got a one. Great. So the gibbering, mouthy star vampire, you feel all of these mouths smile at you with like canine, vicious smiles. That laughter somehow raises two pitches higher and two pitches lower at the same time like making like this perfect brown sound um you feel your bowels loosen as like one of these mouthy things shanks into your shoulder and begins to pump and suck your muscles dry uh so you take uh -huh, Paskey shit himself <laughs> You take three. Shut points up. You take three <laughs> points of damage initially, so that means that you need to deduct that little slider and push it over. Three points of damage with the side of number two. <laughs> All right, so, nice one. Uh, so everything goes down uh, by you one. You can take that from any stats that you want. Soulmate. Um, Soulmate. Everything went down by one. I think. I I might like I have I have a zero in in luck, but my decks and my sanity are both nine and one negative one. Yeah. So, that so means is this that what it, your sanity is negative one? That means that your uh, <laughs> view in the world has been shattered, and you are withdrawing within yourself. So now, from the rest of the game, you can no longer speak in full sentences. You can only speak in like monosyllabic one word utterances to reflect your instable mind. Top of the initiative here, we're going to move back to Claude. You are like two inches away from Hans's perfect mouth. 
which is just real weird. They keep saying Hans because it's a German name. It's also the name of my in-life brother. So it's like weird that I'm saying all this, but that's fantastic. So uh, you well, have Hans. If your brother's in. single, um, I'm going to give him a little, uh, and then I'm going to yank on that uh, door release handle. Um, so let's see. You're going to make me a easy dexterity check to see if you can like fight him because like he's getting it. That's he's four. To... You've got it. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Four plus uh, the modifier. So you so. rip open the emergency door in the airplane <laughs> at a high above altitude. Um, everyone's eardrums like like pop and burst <laughs> with like a sudden like rapid depressurization. All of those emergency air max like fall from the ceiling. The plane drops about 15 feet and like a sudden like lurch and everyone's stomach goes in the throats. Uh, and it is cold. Like things are getting sucked out the window. That like completely dehydrated baby, a lot of barf bags, like some of those like Vera Bradley purses. They're all just like shoom. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very specific purse reference, and I loved it. <laughs> there's a there's very Bradley like purse factories here in Indiana. So yeah. like, I think about like so you always see them on planes. You do, yeah. Uh, all right, so marvelous. Uh, you and Hans like embrace each other and just like. <laughs> like out the window uh the plane is being like tilt that direction as like another steward is like trying to brace themselves pulling on like the side of the plane like the handles to like close the door and it is a monumental force once you throw in those doors open like everything is kind of fucked at that point uh yep, yep the screaming yep. is getting louder so there's like cosmic cackling is getting that much louder now to Dilber's point, both of you are out, so both of you need to make me a luck check to make sure your parachutes shoomph, shoomph. So I'm going to have you roll point. for you, and then you're going to roll for Hans right. to see if both of you make it. Uh, for me, that is... I'm doubling it still, right? Uh, that's going to be a luck one roll. Here? So I'm going to set the okay. difficulty on four for both of you. Okay, so I passed the first one. First All right, me. so your main parachute deploys. Let's see if you're lovers. And he passes it even better than I did. So here's what I like to think is like 25 years down the line, like we've retired to like, <laughs> I don't know, Ontario. And like people come over for coffee or whatever. And they're like, so how did you two meet? Well, it's a hell of a story. Let me tell Tinder. you. <laughs> Grindr. <laughs> Tinder. Uh, Tinder, grinder, cosmic uh, horror in an airplane, you know, so one or the other. The plane is beginning at this point to stress. More of those star vampires are because they are, as you would know, invisible at beginning, but once they drink the blood of anything, they begin to flesh themselves out. So there wasn't just one or two, but there are at least seven now that the other two of you see are sprouting around this plane and they're just working their way up the row. You're already hearing screaming uh, coming from first class uh, as like several Karens are just being tapped dry. Um, you, Woodrow, are feeling yourself being blood dry. Um, next initiative is you, Dilber. So you have stabbed this thing. or flunked I it. haven't stabbed it yet. I'm about to. You thwonked it with your fiberglass rod, and now you've got a fiberglass shank. You're staring this thing down in its many, 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 many eyes and mouths, 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 mouths. Do you stand your ground and uh, 
May the force be with you. Right into the big eye. Ooh, I love the drama. Go ahead and make me that uh, that dex. All right. Uh, so you shank it. So now that thing is worth two points of damage as you like begin to core it out like a pineapple. Um, this thing, <laughs> one of its mouths like whines like it's in pain while all the other 17 mouths just laugh at you. And it begins to pull in your lightsaber and crunch it up. Um, but like, you notice by the time it's done eating your lightsaber, now three of the mouths are crying and are limp. Um, that is just enough damage uh, for you, Woodrow, to make me a dex check to break and pull this thing out of your shoulder. Two. Total? Oh, wait, no, no, no. One. Because I have a naked. <laughs> you're at a minus. Yeah. All right. So you're not able to pull it from your chest, but because of the damage that Dilber did, it's no longer sucking your blood and you feel like you can catch your breath, but it still has its teeth like wrapped around your clavicle. And as you're trying to pull out, you feel its teeth rasp across your bone. That's painful. Yeah. All right. Uh, Does that do more damage? No, it's still going to take no damage. We're going to do like a, a final round or two since I know that we're here close to time. Uh, Dilber, your lightsaber is gone, but your faith is uh, rock hard. What do you do? Um, Plane is beginning right. to go down at this point. I look up. Obi-Wan, forgive me. And I cast Force Lightning. Now. <laughs> yes? Did you say How? No, I'm curious, like, if you literally believe this happens or if this should happen. That is what so. I'm... So here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I believe in the force, and but like force powers has always been kind of this like thing that's like, man, it'd be so cool if it existed. But now I see living monsters made of red lightning and blood attacking. Obviously, magic and the force is real. I'm a Jedi. I tap into the dark side of the force and cast force lightning. Now, what happened? Now, look, I'm going to roll in. I'm going to roll a die. What happens after I roll that die is up to you. <laughs> I have an idea here, so I'm curious to this play out. Um, should, should I add it? Should I add sanity or luck or dexterity to that? I mean, luck. Luck is supposed to be good things happening to you. Okay. Okay. So that is a six. All right. So there is a dead and very desiccated TSA flight agent who is on his plane, and you see his taser is sticking out of his like holster, just with enhanced breach. Nice. I'll do. Force light. I grab, I grab it. And <laughs> I do do the hand gesture. All right. Um, yeah. So you successfully. <laughs> cast force lightning and you tarnish yourself to a gray jedi and you are able to free woodrow from the grip of the star vampire woodrow you are feeling the plane begin to tilt you hear screaming now coming from overhead com yeah, the com as the pilot uh is, is like gurgling with blood do you run to the side and try to get one of those parachutes? You see people are trying to clamber, climb themselves towards them, 
or do you go for that copy of the De Vermis Mysterious? Just one more row ahead of you. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Very good. Very odd. Well put. All right. Interesting. So you Eloquent? go grab yeah. the book. How was the hug, John? I did my task. <laughs> All right. So you hug Dilbert rather than going for the book? Yeah, I hugged Dilbert. All right. You just so, saved me. Um, to, how can I make it any more clear other than... <laughs> That's fair. I thought you were trying to get more TP for your bunghole, is what I thought you were doing. No, that's Gross. more of a Ian. No, I thought that was a reference. You should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, a little bit, but I thought that's exactly what was happening. I even, I even watched that show. My parents wouldn't let me as a kid. But you said I couldn't speak. What? You said I couldn't speak because oh, I've got I got you to speak in one word utterances. <laughs> I thought right, that was it was, it was a beautiful thought... thing. Change nothing. All right. So yeah. uh, the plane is beginning to go down. Instead of saving your safety or going for the book, you cling to your savior, who just heroically defied his orders, wishes, and channeled his inner passion to save you. And so sure. as the I plane like... goes down, you are arm in arm as the just nose dives into like some type of cornfield in Kansas. While Seconds before we crash. Yes. I yeah. say I'm totally not a virgin, by the way. <laughs> um, so now now I would like to um, unmask a wee bit and say uh, I won tonight. Because my task for the evening was, uh, let me see if I get this correctly, break the mission of the team. And I um, think that crashing the plane and murdering everybody in it except for my uh, my lover qualifies as, as breaking the mission. I, I Charles, I hate to tell team. you this. What? I won because my secret mission was make a friend. <laughs> nice what about you Pashky? <laughs> i mean my, my secret task that i achieved yeah. by hugging john was <laughs> i'm just wondering if you got any of them done uh try to I'm be as long as possible nope uh I'll, try to get I'll... a special character to hug you i was gonna set the no! scene too as like we are closing this as like uh, Claude is holding hands with Hans, and they're watching the plane go down, like in yep, flames, yep. like just like romantic, yeah. Um, so one of the things that is fun about this system, but it's is kind of a, almost like a, an interesting mixed bag, depending on how you weave your narratives, are that there are tasks that each character has. They're assigned uh, uh, two tasks, and they may choose one or both to accomplish by the end of the narrative. Uh, some are, it's very interesting because some are character driven where you interact with other characters to fulfill certain goals. There are story ones, and then there are even meta ones, including, like for Paschke, 
paints your character in real life. And Paschke makes these fantastic drawings uh, of activities and things. So I left out the meta ones, but I used the other ones. So it's interesting that all of you have accomplished at least one of your secret goals of some kind. So that's because we, we can... kick ass. Exactly. Yeah. So we can actually yeah. objectively walk away from this saying that all of you are winners instead of just saying we told a story, you are all winners. Um, I fully thought that this story would go with like train to Basan with you like using uh, carts to like block off the monsters and like trying to fall back to save the, the cabin. Yeah. But I like the fact that uh, you, Claude, were like, no, I'm, I'm fucking out here with, so with you know, Hans and we're going to get some in reality, like, I forget land. which I forget which stupid movie it is that's like zombies on a plane. But that's kind of where the the gem of this idea came from. Is like the second that shit started going wrong in that movie, I was like, I I don't I don't care about my fellow humans that much. That was the day I discovered that like if everybody on a plane is going all like feral, I am grabbing a parachute and getting the fuck out of Dodge. And like if that means it crashes, I'm sorry. So interesting side note. Um, my biggest frustration with the uh the grudge movies juan is that like when uh i can't remember sadako uh starts climbing out they of shit new one that's, people's yeah. responses is always and then they sit there like this for five minutes while it slowly yeah and it's like yeah look look I know you're not going to beat her, but why would you not at least try to stomp her teeth in? At least try. Right? At least make the effort. <laughs> and so I feel like I would have like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm going to die, not without stabbing something in the fucking eye first. I appreciate that you were the, you know, the guardsman that tried to hack at Anastarty. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, that was dope as hell, work. man. Like, that's, you go for the joints and get enough of you. Let's and not by the way, in in the case of the night lords, uh, they grant those humans a quick death. They don't like throw them in the skinning pit. So uh, if you're young enough, yeah. and you do that to a space marine, you get into the space marine chapter. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you just try to stab a yeah. space marine. You probably have what it takes That's to be how, a space uh, marine. Oh man, there was one. It's like one of uh, Malakurst's um, proteges who like he's Malakur's favorite because when Mal came to claim him from the tunnels on Gathonia, oh, the yeah, kid like worries. damn near took, yeah, he damn near took out one of his eyes with a knife yeah. and like, uh, Malakur still has like the scar from it and, uh, respects the hell out of the kid for, you know, he was a fucking space Marine and some little sprat <laughs> in a tunnel almost took one of his eyes. That's how we got Cor Farin. Yep. Who's, uh, like, uh, what do they call him? A false Astartes because yeah. he's, old and he's just too fucking mean and old to really um die until a certain point so um that is mission failed successfully i guess successful <laughs> successful for you claude but um yeah that good going everyone cool it wasn't a total success for me. I did lose my luggage. Like, I don't think they usually recover your luggage from a crash if you survive. I'm pretty sure that you can borrow Hans's underwear. I don't plan on either of us wearing underwear for a minute, so it's all good. Um, this is going to be oh, like one of those James Bond movies where at the end we, you know, touch down on like a desert island or something. Right. No, 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 no. 
So, um, you know, we uh, one thing we want to say is that um, this creator is new to the scene of game creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one really amazing thing that things like Itch and Morkborg and Cyborg have allowed is for new people to come forward and and and, and stretch their legs and get involved in this space. Um, so um, if you go and you check this out, don't be too like discouraged if it seems like, oh, this is much more plain than like the fifty thousand uh, dollar Kickstarter book I just saw. Um, you Fast know, cool. more convenience one one. You mean? Fucking shit! If <laughs> you, you won't know if it's as cool as that because I ain't got they out done yet, bro. Um, but <laughs> I, I just mean there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into these things, and one of the biggest stepping stones is thinking that you have to put out a um a D and D five core book. You get that idea in your head, like if I want to be a game creator, I have to make it like this. And the best way to get started is to do like three page adventures and three page uh, micro games. Um, I was talking to Pele from Morkborg, and originally Morkborg was a like two page thing he had done for Game Jam. Oh, wow. So um, anyway, you can check it out on itch itch uh and kind of see where it's at and you know by supporting new creators in this space you're helping them grow helping them stay with it which is always a kind of net positive Mm -hmm. in my mind um shall i go into announcements or yeah let's do some announcements yeah so hey everyone Uh, you know us we're your friendly uh i don't know rap scallions uh, and yeah, that we rap about we rap about onions, um, which is why I assume rap scallion is. Uh, yeah, our latest album just leaked. That's a very good pun, Ian. That's <laughs> very good. Hey, Ian, we'll talk. The, the, the three of us were talking about kicking off the podcast. But I'm calling that immediately. Am I back on? You're back on, bro. Yeah, that was so good. Um, <laughs> so, um, as you know, uh, we are all of us constantly working on stuff, trying to get new uh, games out there. Ian, Ian basically goes to work, edits, then comes home and edits, and then cries, and we ignore him um, because we're bastards. Charles is working on writing stuff. Um, he has three novels out at the moment that I know of. Um, I think now, now I think the one you should immediately buy is a baptism for the dead. Uh, no bias there, but you can also pick up Arcanum's yeah. volume one and two, which are also illustrated. So that's pretty baller. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Obviously, I have all my books and projects. Also, I look, I want to encourage you to, if you are ever in, is it Ohio, Mr. Patchkey? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Ohio. Yeah, if you're ever in Ohio, wouldn't it be cool to form some kind of like fan club cult that follows Mr. Patchkey around to all of his sword <laughs> play tournaments, just like chant his name, or, like intimidate his opponents? 
Be cool. No, 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 no. No I'm chance of intimidation. What what he needs is a, a herald, Pashki. You need someone oh, in the squire. And a yeah. squire and like, that has all his swords in like yeah. a uh, golf bag. <laughs> yeah, with all your swords in it. Yeah. No joke. The golf bags are actually really useful when transporting swords. That makes sense. It's perfect. <laughs> um, That's your apocalypse bit for the night. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, um, I have a new book that just got back from the editor this evening. Uh, she says it's good. Um, even if my punctuation sucks, uh, it is going to come out on my birthday, January 14th. Uh, it is called, Happy well, it's a while, well, about a month and a half away now, but um, it will be called Ibi Ranu, the Flesh Crafter, Children of the Gods. And it's going to be brutal. Minutes or less. So, um, yep. It's going to be cool. Um, we have lots of other stuff going on. We are still working on all of our various projects. If you want to find out more about our projects or the schedule or read reviews or do any of that cool shit, you can find us at onemoncast.com, uh, where you can find all of our socials and all of that shit. Um, if you don't want to go there, then like just follow us on Twitter at one moncast uh charles updates that constantly he's constantly posting cool gaming stuff on there so like not only do you get our news but you also get like other cool articles and shit uh really valuable to follow um it's it's one that like it's it's essentially like my social as well but i follow it because it's like he's always posting the coolest shit um other than that um you know what's super helpful if you're watching this right now on Twitch, like follow us, click the little heart. It's free. It helps the algorithm. If you want to subscribe, great. If you don't, I totally understand. Uh, <laughs> we provide this happily for free, but we don't advertise. Word of mouth is the only way it gets out there, and we could really use your help. If you're watching this on YouTube, like like this video because again the algorithm and subscribe and then you won't miss uh miss any of the videos like i think there's a bell icon you can click and it'll like actually send you it i don't think it sends you an email i think it just has like a pop-up like yeah wandering monster has gone and live so now we're in uh, the future even if you're watching this far in the future if you'd like us to run the game that you are developing or have currently in your library that needs a little extra love drop us a line you know you can drop us at wanmonops at gmail.com or find our contact at wanmon.com or via our many platforms who knows if twitter will still be alive by the time you're watching this years in the future but basically anything at wanmoncast past you will find us and and and, and like even if you didn't develop the game, if you have some like cool, obscure game with like wacky yeah. mechanics that like you wish more people knew about, we run fan requests. Like tell tell us tell us what's up. Um, as always, we have had a blast. Um, primarily because Ian puts up with antics that no sane GM would. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this consensual journey that we call Wandering Monster. My name is John Baltusberger. I am Charles R. Bernard. Ian Servas. Mr. Paschke, and if you're watching this in the past, warn us.